Yo, Jackplex, answer the fucking phone, dude. Why, why does your family take Christmas so seriously? Or the holidays? It's not general? my family. It's my, it's my sister. She loves Christmas. Ever since she was a little girl, she loved Christmas. Um, Christmas means a lot to us. I think we were just so astonished when we got to this country and had, like, these beautiful toys. And I remember, like, we used to live in this tiny, tiny efficiency. And the first... Um, like real present we ever got it was those like do you remember those big headed brass babies <laughs> I do yeah we got two of those and I remember all the presents I got I remember how fun Christmas was she's always loved Christmas but now as adults we like I mean you'll be there we have like a really big ceremony type thing I remember like I was dating Mo for like three months like two years ago and his family decided to go to the cabin but he doesn't get along with them so he was like gonna be alone for Christmas and I was like okay well why don't you come to Miami with me and we hadn't even gotten to that phase in our relationship to go on a trip let alone visit my family who he can't speak to because <laughs> of a language barrier mm-hmm. So when he got here, he was like a little just weirded out by our Christmas tradition. Uh, we like open our presents on Nochebuena, and then we um, we record the whole thing, <laughs> and we each like get to pick a present from the tree, and then the, the person like opens it, and like every present is like celebrated. So it's a big deal for us to. Um, I mean, we work so hard all year to make this like a nice holiday. So, how was the relationship with the other holidays? Thanksgiving, Halloween? I'm a Halloween whore. Um, I did invite my sister, but uh, I had a Halloween party uh, this year. I did a Harry Potter murder mystery. Everybody was a Harry Potter character, and like, we were trying to solve who stole like a magical stone, and the stone like gave you endless desserts. So I had a dessert for it at my house. So you're, you're, you're a diehard Harry Potter fan, right? I'm assuming. I am a diehard Harry Potter So fan. when, how did you come across your first instance of Harry Potter? So when we were little, my dad, and this is something my sister, this is a fun story to talk to with her, because um, she has so many like, cool memories of it. Um, we used to go to my dad's job during the summer when we didn't have school, and we would be in the freezer area, and he set up a little TV, those little pink princess TVs, <laughs> with the purple, like, antenna, like the big CRT. Mm-hmm. Uh, we set that back there, and we would watch the same, like, ten movies. Uh, I can remember, like, some of them off the top of my head. It was, like, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean was a very good one. <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean was so good. So good. Yeah. I imagine watching it, like, twice a week. Um, I can't even imagine how cool that must have been. <laughs> Harry Potter, 
Goblet of Fire was one of them. I had never seen any of the other Harry Potter movies. At the time, it was 2005, so it had just come out. So I think my dad got it on DVD. And we would watch it over and over again. So I loved Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. And when I realized there was more movies, <laughs> I started watching them. I will say I'm not, like, a true fan because I haven't read the book. But... I just enjoy the magic of Halloween and Harry Potter. I recently watched Lord of the Rings for the first time in my adult life and became obsessed with it too. So, so you're very into the, like these non or these fictional worlds. Pretty much like these kind of fandoms, I'd say, kind of sort of. Like you're like a fandom type of person. Would you say I guess I would say because I, I mean, me personally, I'll definitely get behind Percy Jackson. Still. Yeah. Any day. Yeah, I guess I, guess I am. I love The Hunger Games, like, a lot. I love The Hunger teen, Games. I could talk about teen fiction books for... I think teen fiction books were probably, like, the best thing to have ever happened to anybody at that point. In, like, to any teenager at that point in time, that was just something that, even as adults, that's was just always going to stay with this entire generation. These teen books, like Hunger Games, sure. Percy Jackson... Uh, Harry Potter. I mean, and books aren't really that You're much of a thing me, now. I I had the, the really, really nice opportunity of starting the sixth grade when Twilight came out. <laughs> oh, my God. You want to talk about being a fan fiction? And my um, my brother had just come out. Um, I, I call Jose, who I don't know if you've met him yet. Um, I call him my brother, we just we grew up together and we met in sixth grade and I remember like we were obsessed with Twilight and all this other shit it was, it was truly simpler times I feel really bad for for your generation you were like three years shy of the best times because we had like the hot topic thing <laughs> we had the one direction phase. so how would As you generation how would you say how would you say Twilight affected you at that point in time? I'm actually, like, unblocking the trauma of shows like Twilight and, like, 16 and Pregnant and Therapy now. <laughs> That's an interesting question. Oh, my God. All of those shows, bro, they're all coming back to me now. And then, like, the whole Young Money type of era where, like, Black Eyed Peas yeah. was out uh, and Jersey Shore. <laughs> yeah. I, I think... I spent so much time watching TV as a kid. Like, I don't know if you've noticed how much TV my sister watches. But oh, she watches a lot of TV. And raised by TV. My parents just work too much. And I loved, I love two extremes. I love horror films and I love romantic comedies. And I grew up watching rom-coms and had this, like, warped perception of love just because Hispanic parents aren't very affectionate either. Some are, but my parents aren't very, like, openly affectionate. So I have this, like, completely different view of what love was supposed to be. And I think now, as an adult, uh, in, like, a long-term relationship, probably, like, the, the healthiest one I've had, um, you find yourself, like, realizing that a lot of your expectations are wrong, or you shouldn't have them, at least, um, because... You know, not everything is about love, and 
sex is very different than what you see in the movies or what you see on social media now. Um, you guys have to deal with that shit. I didn't have TikTok or, I mean, I had Instagram in like ninth, tenth grade, but I remember it was like the blurry selfies and all that stuff. You guys have to deal with like this like very, very warped reality and we've been conditioned to think that it's true even though we know that it's not true and now like it's exposed more than it's ever been. Um, but you guys have to deal with that, which would suck. I think that would have killed me as a teen. I don't know how you guys do it. Do you think social do you think social media affects you right now as an adult seeing um, how certain people manage theirs? Yeah, I mean, I I grew up in the rave scene, which I think I like really fell in love with going to music festivals and just partying. I don't know how. I really don't. <laughs> I, I've, like, always been a really good kid, and I think just when I got to college, I got introduced to it, and I was this group, and it was so weird, and I'm not, I know I'm going off on Sandy, but it'll, it'll come back. It was so weird to be around new people and people that seemed real and this community of people that love music and, like, drugs and meaningful conversations and, like, spiritual shit. Um... And I loved the life. Like, I loved being able to, like, be that girl that was at parties and festivals and, like, did drugs responsibly and all of that stuff. And in the social media world, like, you were at shows. uh, You were, like, this close to the stage. um, You got on stage. (laughs) And I loved it for such a long time and didn't realize how much it affected me the way that people looked at me and looked at my life um and when mm, i had this that's pretty interesting with that, yeah when i had disagreements with that group and i felt like i was using them and that's what i'm working in therapy now i've been in therapy for about six months um i realized how much power they had over me like so people people had power over you um through how they perceived you? Yeah, the same way that social media has power over all of us, I think it's more people that have power over us. Have you noticed that when you look at your story, you... and you look at the people that saw your story, which I know you do, even if you say you don't, you would see... you'd scroll down, and your eye would get caught up on certain people. But then you, if you think about it, there's so many that you didn't even read the name. You just skipped right over them. And I think that is the really hurtful part of social media that I'm trying to get rid of now. As an adult, paying a lot of money for someone to help me fix everything. <laughs> it's really easy to get hung up on people because of social media like these people that i had really really fun memories with and honestly like when you do drugs with people you are bonded by something different and it's just especially with psychedelics like i don't care what people say like if i have a conversation with you while i'm tripping like that is the most vulnerable side of me you're ever gonna get so the fact that i lost them and that's another story for another time when i lost that group i lost 
what I thought was my music and my festivals and that feeling of happiness that I had with them. I didn't separate them from me. You know, I could still have the music and all of that stuff. I like just fixated on how how they, they, they felt about me and how their lives were going. So I would check up on them on their social media or like get really, really angry for some reason when I saw them like happy. And mm-hmm. what I've learned recently is that when you don't, when you don't have time and you know, for your generation it's harder because you're constantly disassociating. But when you don't have time to process your emotions and be sad for the amount of time that you should be sad, um, you end up just living your life on autopilot. And eventually you hit a point where you see this person and you're triggered for some reason. And the first thing that your mind goes to is anger. So what I'm working on now is just being sad and grieving this loss, even if it's been years, because I still think about it. And social media makes it so much easier for you to have access to people that are no longer in your life. So I think social media is toxic in that in that sense. Mm. That's interesting. That's very interesting. I don't think... Um... I think I've been lucky enough in my personal experience. I don't think I've had too much issues with social media. Honestly, I only recently started using social media, funny enough, about a year ago. I actually didn't really use social media that much up until 2020 of last year during the pandemic just because I was bored. I really didn't use it that much all the, up until then. So growing up, uh, honestly, even though Instagram and all these other apps were around, I didn't really use them that much besides just to kind of like look at memes and whatnot you know growing up as a kid just to scroll through twitter during study hall that's a memory i have that's pretty vivid for me scrolling through twitter and study hall but i never i never had like or used it to like get involved with like people or anything like that up until very recently so i think that my experience with it has been pretty clean pretty easy so far to be honest in my experience, but hearing your experience also just brings a lot of, I'd say, perspective to it that I didn't have before, because I haven't really been around on it that for for that long. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's that's good that you haven't. That's really good, actually, just because now people are kind of just peer pressured into it. It's not you. You really do feel like you're missing something, even when I take breaks. Um, come back and I'm like wow so much happened I feel like life is moving on without me but I mean that's really good how are you gonna deal with it when you get into public relations because you're gonna be on it a lot um I mean I've been I've managed to just take breaks I got months at a time there was a period there was a point in time when I just deleted all my apps for like two or three months and I was fine it wasn't really, again, like, I've only been using it for so long recently that I don't really care that much to delete it. And I have some hobbies that tailor to me just going kind of, like, outside and just doing things. So I try to just focus on doing those more. Or, like, tracking my lifts at the gym or doing X and X more as I let go of these apps. And it's just, I don't know. I think for me it's just easier just because I'm, I'm not as used to it. Like, I didn't grow up using it. I started using it, honestly, when I was more of an adult than a kid. 
So it's not that big of a deal for me. What I can't go without is YouTube. I love YouTube. But even then, I'll just use YouTube to just watch video games or something. I think my experience... I think my experience with social media is pretty... It's been easy for me, to be honest. I think it's been pretty pristine. But I've, again, I just think it's very interesting to hear it from your perspective. I mean, there's more extremes than mine. I think if you were to talk... And I think it's a good idea to talk to the two extremes and older people and younger people. You're going to see a whole nother um, connection and perspective from the younger kids. Like 18, 19. Wasn't there a but, Netflix documentary that came out about this a while ago? Yeah, it was a little dramatic. <laughs> um, it was a little dramatic. I forgot what it was called. I can't remember the name of it either, but my friend was like, bro, you gotta watch it, you gotta watch it. And I was like, bro, I don't even use... Like, again, this was like last year, I was like, bro, I don't even use social media that much. I don't want it really... I don't really care. Well, you, you sound pretty healthy. I mean... In the sense that you're not, if you continue doing this stuff, it's going to be easier. I think, you, I mean, I think everybody should go to therapy anyways, but it'll be easier and you won't have to focus on this because I have to develop more hobbies now because I just like work a lot and have fallen off. Like I have to try to get back into like yoga and things like that to really get my mind where it needs to be. But it becomes increasingly difficult when you, as you grow up and you have more responsibilities, um, but if you keep up with your exercise and your other hobbies and try to stay off of social media, you're probably going to be better off than like 75% of your generation. But mm. people are more arrogant now. Like, I didn't go to EDC and it was the first time in five years that I hadn't been. This weekend, I, I hit such a low just because I saw everybody like at brunch with their bands and like at the mall and like all this stuff. And I was like, wow, I really do feel like I'm, I'm like supposed to be somewhere and I'm just not. Um, and I didn't go because I think all the astral world stuff hurt me so much more just because I've been in a crowd and I've been doing this for such a long time. And I felt how it can be scary to be in a crowd. And I've also felt like just so much love and just a lot of like really good times. So... I opted out of EDC because I knew it was going to be overcrowded. It was overcrowded, apparently. Um, and I feel like your generation is losing something really, really cool. Um, I hope one day you can come. I hope my sister can come, too. But I think everyone your age should go to, go, go to festivals just to release your energy. Um, and, like, do it in a safe and respectful way. Like, I know... Everyone thinks we're fucking nerds because we're like the few of us are still like plural life and <laughs> happiness and rainbows. But that's what that shit used to be. It wasn't about you like getting the perfect picture for Instagram or wearing your fucking iHeartRace, like same fucking song on every girl. Like it was creative. Like Okay. Was, Again. I so I have a question and it just it just boggles my mind because I, I again I never really thought about social media that way. But do people actually do that? I don't know if that's a stupid question. Do people actually go to these events with the intention of just getting a picture to show it off to other people? Oh, yeah. And some of them get paid for it. <laughs> just for taking a picture? Yeah, there's rave influencers. I was going to be one I, before I 
did my big girl job. Um, yeah, you could just get paid by companies like Boom Boom. I remember I like was dressed as a pineapple. I had like the little. I took all these pictures off my Instagram, uh, but I made like a little um, pineapple bikini set, and I wore it to Imagine in Atlanta. And um, the people at Boom Boom, the the caffeine uh, nose stick that you can buy. So when you do Molly, it like increases your high. It's like caffeinated too. Mm-hmm. They had a pineapple flavor, and they are a pineapple scent. And they like asked me to like take pictures with it, and I got like a bunch of those caffeine things for free. It was fun. It was a good time. So yeah, they, they give you Molly? A lot of people have horrible, horrible times at festivals. Wait, it's, hold on, hold on. I mean, I'm, just, uh, just, I'm just stuck on this for a second. So they basically gave you Molly just for going? No, they gave me a caffeinated menthol stick. You know, this vapor red? Mm, and it just helped you with the high of Molly. Okay, I understand now. Yeah, because your body is doing a serotonin dump. Mm-hmm. And also, whoever's listening to this, do drugs responsibly or DM me <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> for test kits. Um, yeah, it, it just, it, it wakes you up, uh, basically. But people that do festivals, we plan for this shit for months. Um, we get vitamins. We take, we do strict vitamins for like a week straight. Like every day, like a pile of them. Um, and then some people get IVs. I've gotten an IV before, like a little vitamin cocktail. And then we test our drugs with test kits for fentanyl. And then we test our drugs at home before we go. Especially, there's always one person in the group that will test it at home so that they know that everybody else is going to have a great time. It's usually me because I like it. Um, And I like being at home. And then you go and you have this intense hydration pack with like three liters of water. You have gum so you don't like fuck up your jaw um you like time out when you're gonna take it how fast your body metabolizes it what set you're gonna be at did you pee is there someone around you that can take care of you is your phone safe so it gets stolen you have glasses sunglasses on so you don't like have your pupils dilated and people are like staring at you i enjoy i enjoy every i enjoy (laughs) i enjoy every layer of safety that's attributed to uh taking molly I think it's a beautiful thing. Yes. Sarcastically, I yes. think that's a very nice thing. It is a beautiful thing because I think everyone, I mean, no, actually, no. I don't think everyone should try Molly because it's, you can abuse it. I think everyone should have hard limit. My hard limit is cocaine. I've tried it. It doesn't do much for me. And I can see how if you take a lot, it'd be a good time. But I'm not rich and I'm not stupid. Uh, so I never fuck with cocaine. Um but Molly, I really liked how I felt. And some of the best memories I've had of not being like fucked up and, and like on the floor, but of having like really, really amazing conversations with people about how much I love them and crying and hugging and just like accepting nature and all this stuff. And like the music sounding so amazing and like, drinking fruit smoothies and shit. So I think if you do it right, if you do it with the right people, if you test your stuff, if you, like I just got some stuff from overseas and I spent 400 bucks and I got enough for the next like two years of my life. 
and my best friend Annabelle uh, wanted to see Rufus the soul really, really badly uh, at three points. Also, by the way, they put fucking Kitronada in a warehouse so small, their headliner in a fucking warehouse where people were crammed. I couldn't hear him. I was so pissed. I wrote the most strongly worded letter to the event organizers about how shit their placement was. You don't put a Grammy winner in a fucking little warehouse. But besides the point, <laughs> um, I I had bought this Molly and I didn't. I had heard really, really good things about it because the other bad thing for your generation is that everything is laced now and nothing is pure. So if you find something pure, you don't give it away. How was your experience with the bad ones? Mm -hmm. How how was your experience with the bad ones? If if you feel. Mo took Molly. Mo took Molly that, uh, it is an all minute, so it's fine. I think it's good education for you guys. Most of Molly, what he felt with Molly, and it was actually meth. And you feel great, but then you have the worst come down of your entire fucking life. Or you could die. What what consisted of this come down? Sweats. Shaking, sweating. Mm. I didn't experience this. I've never taken meth by mistake. But a lot of people do. Um, intense headache, vomiting. Depends on your body. Depends on how much you took. Depends on how hydrated you were. If you ate things like that. So. Um, and then I've had like sugar pills, like where it's like sugar and like some Molly, and then you just get like a high, and then you get a really bad headache, and that just is a waste of money. And now you're sugared up. <laughs> so why do people even lace drugs with fentanyl? Do you know the deal behind that? To cut it. To cut it? To cut it. So, all right, let's say that I have a really big diamond. Um, what is the best return on investment for that big diamond? Is it selling the big diamonds or is it cutting the big diamond into tiny little diamonds and selling those and inflating the price? Well, it'd be the second one, right? Yeah, it's the second one. So when you have a big rock, because Molly is a rock, and when you see beans, that's crushed up, and never take beans anymore. I used to have, I don't know if you've ever heard of a Tesla. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a special Molly bean. It's the best thing I've ever had in my life. Um, imagine head banging to snails, fucking snails, like heavy metal EDM, <laughs> a little girl in the front. It was awesome. But um, beans are really easy to mix with other stuff. Because you can't see it. It's in a pill. Um, the rock, if you, when you shred it to little pieces, you weigh it. And that's how you put it into a little capsule. So when you see Molly, it's a clear capsule and then it has little rocks in it. Um, but with, like, cocaine, it's powder. Uh, what can I put into cocaine that's sort of similar so people think that they're getting more but they're actually getting less and I'm getting more money and I don't have to buy as much coke because I keep infusing it with baking soda oh but I have to give people a high if not they're not going to come back okay well let me add some fentanyl and you'll get a high and you know you'll still get some coke but you'll also get baking soda okay well here I am fucked up at 3am I'm drunk and you know, I want to take more because I'm doing coke. 
and then you take too much and then the fentanyl comes out of nowhere and the OD. So it's a cruel enterprise that we keep feeding a lot of money into. If we legalized it, which we should, it'd be a lot easier and much more well regulated. Legalize recreational drugs mm-hmm. and prostitution so that it becomes a safer practice because people are going to do it anyways. I could, I could be that sister that's like, don't do drugs and then do drugs behind my back and behind my sister's back. But I'd rather be the person that, you know, prevents her from doing it anyways and fucking dying. I think that's a good stance to have. I think that's a very good stance to have. Especially with all the aforementioned knowledge that you have. I think that's the best thing you can do in that position, for sure. The worst thing you can do is be with people that don't care and don't care together. And I had the privilege of being with people that really cared about their jobs, about the quality of their drugs, about the quality of their experience. Um... It just sounds like everybody and just wants a good time in your life. <laughs> Literally. I mean... Just a good time. It's a great time. I've been wanting to get uh, Camila to go for uh, a really long time. I think being in crowds isn't her thing. And I think it's a really big step out of your comfort zone because you are seeing a lot of people fucked up. Afterworld is my fucking nightmare. And I, I like have never had any inclination to go to, a, to go to one of the festivals. And it's because you're there to release an emotion. Um, and that emotion may be like happiness and spreading happiness and spreading joy. Other people want to feel angry because they have no other way of expressing themselves or at least a way that feels adequate for them. A lot of the Travis Scott fans um, and I have no hate for Travis Scott. <laughs> a little bit of hate for that a lot. Um, a lot of them want to release their their emotions through anger. And we've already lost a lot of our compassion because we've been locked away for so long. But this is different. Like, something is happening and it doesn't feel the same. Like, like it doesn't feel like it used to feel when I was younger. Like when I was your age, when I was 20. What doesn't feel the same? The the festival crowd? The crowd sucks. It's because festivals were popularized. Like the minute that there was a festival section at fucking Claire's, that's when I knew our scene was going to shit. Um, We call you guys, I guess. We call you guys dormies. Um, it's a term for people that are normal, people that listen to like Alezzo or Fisher or Tiesto, uh, just very like pop EDM instead of like uh, just listening to all spectrums. There's a lot EDM as a spectrum, and you start off at different categories. I you I think most people start off with. Um, dubstep like heavy bass type of music and then you evolve to like drum and bass or melodic EDM um or synth waves or um trans 
heck no. It depends. It, for us, like, the music is more about how it makes us feel inside rather than raging. Mm-hmm. And so do you think that there's something wrong with the way that he handles his, his, um, the people that attend his shows? Like, do you think that he handles his audience wrong? Or that there's something inherently wrong with the way? Go on. I think, I think there's a way to rage responsibly. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. I've seen artists be like, okay, open up the wall of death, which I don't know if you know what that is. You've heard of Moshpits. I have. Okay, so there is safe mosh pitting. There is mosh pit etiquette. Mo likes to mosh pit. He's a big dude. He doesn't do it as much anymore. I get scared of it. Um, but you're, if someone's like, I don't want to be in here anymore, you're supposed to like help them let out. And when you open the wall of death, you basically break the room in half and then one half moves towards one side and another half moves to the other side. And then the people that want to mosh go in the middle. So it gives people an opportunity to the leaves like there's people at the rails that are like fucking hammering their heads back and forth for hours and you give them water and all that stuff like i never i've never seen festivals that way i've never thought of it as being like these people are all getting together in one setting to release an emotion that's a very interesting way of thinking about it i never once have thought about it like that yeah because that's not what and i this all sounds like I'm shitting on your generation. I'm not. I just don't think you guys have the opportunity to experience it because of social media and because you're no one, no like no actual raver, like no veteran raver is like, let me take you under my wing, <laughs> young Chad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stop taking off your shirt and walking around. <laughs> no one cares about your ass. <laughs> doing you know who this is oh, i could tell by the voice that's not true hmm who you are doesn't matter i can guess who you are did you ever have you ever made like an alias what is that it's like a like an alter ego or a fake name no hmm I feel really alone. You feel really alone? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I just work all the time by myself. Everybody just wants to fuck me, but, like, I'm not interested in fucking you. I just want friends. Hmm. So, uh, at what point in time did you make this realization that you just feel alone? Right now when I was calling you. Mm. So what was the last instance that you what was the last straw for you? Like what do you mean? Last straw of what? Like what was the last instance of this of whatever all these factors were that make you lonely that happened recently that just kind of made you think of this right now? Do you know what I mean? Um well cause I was just like scrolling through Twitter and I was like god damn I'm so fucking bored and I still have like Let's see, it's 10 o'clock right now, 11, 12, seven hours in my shift. Now I might get a, a hash brown at McDonald's after this. And uh, and I was like, damn, who should I call? And I was like, damn, I can't call anybody. Everybody's falling asleep. Everybody's up in bed, snug as a bug in a rug. I'm over here 
working. Working like a dog in the cut. Like a dog in the cut thinking about hash browns. You know, McDonald's is actually pretty good. Like, I really like McDonald's. I can understand that. Is that gross? I don't really think... I don't think it's gross. Like, the word that comes to my mind isn't gross. It's just, after having educated myself on nutrition, I'm just aware that food can just be, like, better for your body. And that's not even to say that you can't get good food from McDonald's. Like, you can definitely actually meet good calories at McDonald's and stuff. But I just think of how most people probably don't adhere to that. And then if you eat McDonald's consistently, like, it's just bad for your body over time. That goes with really any fast food. For the most part. Yeah, but it tastes so fucking good. I do agree. Like those crispy ass fries, and when they don't oversalt them with those chicken nuggets with the McDonald's sauce, nothing hits like that. Nothing, especially when you're sad or high. What kind of? What's your favorite sauce from McDonald's? Oh my god! Don't even get me started because everybody makes fun of me. I love ranch. Is that musty? I feel like ranch is such a musty sauce. No. I, you know, I'm pretty guilty of using a lot of sauce and things you probably wouldn't expect. What kind of sauce? I I love Chick-fil-A sauce. I'll be putting... I like Chick-fil-A sauce a lot, too. I'll be putting Chick-fil-A sauce on whatever. It just works. That smoky, sweet flavor is just nuts. It goes crazy. Ranch? I can get behind ranch, too. What, what, how would you describe the flavor of ranch? Musty. Like, it's like... It's like... It's like... Gamer sauce. You know? Gamer sauce. I think the most... Yeah, ga- like, you know how- I think the most gamer sauce is sweet and sour. No way. Because I feel like Mountain Dew is, you know, branded with, like, gamer people. Mm-hmm. And like mustiness, I feel like branch is kind of musty, but like it's so good. Hmm. Like gamer sauce. I don't know. Sweet and sour is good. It doesn't smell weird. It looks nice. When I when I think of a musty sauce, I think of blue cheese. Oh yeah, blue cheese is gross, but they don't offer that at uh, McDonald's. Blue cheese goes hard though. No. Don't cut, bro. It goes hard. No. Bro, don't do this to me. I'm gonna do this. You you know blue cheese is different, especially oh my god I go I go to Chili's and Chili's and get the um, the honey chipotle chicken crispers with some blue cheese, it hits every single last time. No blue cheese is disgusting. It tastes like expired ranch. That's the allure of it. You know if you can admit you like a sauce that's kind of musty, I don't know why you like the musty why you don't like the mustier sauce. Because it's like, it's like bearable musty, you know? It's like you forgot to put deodorant under your armpits musty. Not like you don't take, you know, a shower in two weeks musty. It's like different levels. Mm. What sauce no, would you describe, what sauce what? would you use to describe your feeling of loneliness? Um, hot mustard. Why hot mustard? Nobody wants it? It's always for yeah, but it's so good. So nobody so wants you, but you're just so good. Do you seek friendship? Is this what you seek? I do seek friendship. I seek a friend who will stay up until five in the morning with me. So what what thoughts do you usually have while you're at work? Oh, but that's usually... I'm assuming that you obviously work the night shift most of the time. 
Yeah, I do. Mm. I see. I see your dilemma. So who do you hang out with? Nobody. I literally just watch Disney movies all night long. No, like when you're not working. Oh, um, my bed. Mm. And so, like, I get so sad that I'm here all the time that I spend money when I'm awake, not here. So, like, this week, I've chaotically probably, by Friday, will have spent, like, a grand just on things that are not important, like, not food or clothes or anything, literally just, like, tattoos and hair and eyebrows and nails. So why do you think people want you? Do you think people misjudge what you want, what you seek? I think that the people that I work with are all imbeciles and males. So like, I feel like for a man to be surrounded by a woman in a male-dominated field, it's like hard for them. Mm -hmm. To see a woman as just a woman, you know? Or a girl. And some men, honestly, what I've learned, actually, is that some men can't have relationships with women because all they see them as is a sexual being. Like, they can't That's have very true. a relationship with a woman. That's very, very besides, true. You know, I actually encountered, like, a very... I went to... A party earlier this week and I'd actually encountered a group of people that were very obviously like the kind of people that you're talking about like they were guys that didn't really and I always think it's weird when I run into people that are like this because I'm from southern Florida so it's like most people here are pretty open about most things um and I run into like this group of guys and they were the first people I'd ran into when I walked in the door so I was like oh whatever I'll just chat with them see what they're all about met all of them sat down we were talking whatever and then they would just, oh, you know what they talk about? Elon yeah. Musk. They make Elon Musk jokes. Oh my god. And then whenever one of them remotely even brought up a woman, they'd be like, oh, like, did you bag her? Oh, you didn't? Oh, you suck. And they just kind of move on from there. But it wasn't like a joke, like they were serious. Or maybe, who knows, I could be misjudging. But th that was the type of character I was running into. I didn't really enjoy it too much. Yeah, men are kind of musty. Like, like I feel like men see you as a sex opportunity before they see you as a friend. And that kind of sucks, because, like, not everybody wants to fuck you. So what about... You know what I mean? What about the woman counterpart of friends? How are those? What do you mean? Like, have you run into any woman that want, that want to be your friend? No, I'm the only woman here. Oh, that's right. You're speaking in terms of work. So I, I forgot that we were speaking in terms of work. I thought we were speaking in terms of, like, the real world for, like, a split second. Well, that's true. I feel like the real world, though, it's kind of, like, easier to be friends with women, except women are very clicky. Like, if one woman who talks shit about you to her friend, like, forget it. They're not going to be friends with you unless they want, like, some kind of, you know, toxic, chaotic relationship or whatever. How did you, what makes you make, what, make, what makes you make that judgment? Just from your experience? Um, yeah, 
I just feel like once a, a girl or a woman has found kind of like the group that they feel that they belong in, it's kind of really hard for other women to join that group. Like, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It's just, it's very clicky. Kind of like a clan? Like you, Like a clan? A clan. Kind of, it's, it's, it's like, um, it's like you're not cool enough to sit with us or you're not interesting enough to sit with us type thing. Do you think that you also partake in that same behavior? No, I'm just trying to find friends. I don't even have a group of friends. Hmm. I see. What was your... By the way, I'm going to ask you the question uh, or the topic I've been wanting to talk, to, talk about tonight. Um, what was your last minor inconvenience? My last minor inconvenience? How minor are we talking? Mm. Enough. The biggest inconvenience of your day. That's minor. The biggest one. Biggest inconvenience of my day. Having to wake up at 12 for a haircut when I live at night. Like, everything runs daytime, but I live at nighttime. So I literally get, like, three hours of sleep and then have to wake up for normal people time and then have no time to sleep and then go to work. So when you woke up this morning to go get this haircut, how did you rationalize dealing with your inconvenience in the moment? Um, I'll probably feel hotter after this. So when you were getting from, when you got in the car, then you took yourself to this location, or if you got a ride or whatever the means was, it, did you just have that same thought from point A to point B? Yeah, and also I hope I don't fall asleep. So there wasn't too much thinking held behind this, I'd say, from point A there to point B. There wasn't, because thinking about it, I probably would have canceled. So would you say that the more you think about the things you annoy you, the more they bother you? I think, yeah, I think that's with anything, no? Well, that's the thing. People deal with things in different ways. Depending on the inconvenience and also depending on your location. Depending on anything, really. I think any inconvenience makes it different. For example, um, yesterday when I was driving to the gym, it was in the morning, and I wanted to get to the gym at a specific time, there was a lot of road work happening. So there ended up being quite a bit of traffic to get from point A to point B. So instead of seeing it as an annoyance in the moment, I kind of quieted that thought and I decided, well, you know, maybe this just means I'm supposed to be listening to this song a little bit more deeply and see if I could take something away from it. So then I turned up the volume on the song and I tried to listen to it. And this was a song from an album that I just really enjoyed. So I just like took the time in to just really listen to what the artist was singing about. And I just took that as an opportunity to just kind of enjoy where I was instead of trying to be mad. Do you know what I mean? Hey, wait, did you enjoy it? I did. Quite a yeah. bit. And I find that, um, I don't know, I think I do that with most things. Whenever something is annoying I mean, or inconvenient, I try to think of it like that. I feel as if that, yes, there are many inconveniences, and yes, you get annoyed by them, but at the same time, 
to me, even though I'm very annoyed, I don't handle it in an angry manner, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So most people will probably get angry and be in a bad mood and scream or whatever they feel like is their um, compensation for that annoyance or to relieve that annoyance. But for me, it's more of like just sit there and calm down. Have you ever met an angry person? Have I ever met a what? An angry person. An angry person, yeah. Yeah, I lived with an angry person. You lived with one? Yeah. How was that? Horrible. Would you say that uh, seeing this angry person react to all these inconveniences in such a way, did you think that that might have affected you while you were in proximity with them? Definitely, yeah. So you definitely think that their their reactions and energy just kind of rubbed off on you over the time, over time. Yeah. I, because, I mean, as much as we don't like to admit it, we become what we hang ourselves, like what we hang around or who we hang around. Whether it's intentional or unintentional, you know, we eventually, maybe not become that person, but we become relatively close personality-wise to that person. Mm. So with the friends you have now, would you say that they're an, a positive reflection? Um, yeah, I would say so. I don't really like to hang around people who are complicated. Because, you know, you only live so long. You can't live your whole life stressed. So then, with this angry person that you were living with, what was the most ridiculous thing? What was a reaction you saw them have that you were just like, wow, like, I would definitely never react like that in this situation? Um, well, one time, I forgot to close the door to the house. And it was not even nighttime. It was literally like daytime. I was just watching TV in the living room. And then they came back inside and they were like yelling and they were super angry. And they're like, why does nobody close the fucking door? Why does nobody lock it? We're going to get robbed. Keep in mind, we live in the suburbs. Like nobody's robbing this place. Come on, be realistic. So they're like, somebody's going to come in here and rob you and rape you and da 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 da. And I'm like, damn, bro, can you chill? Like, it's 2 p.m. Hmm. And they got so mad. They like they don't want to talk to anybody for the rest of the day. Was they, the door um, was it open so that outside air could come in, or was it just unlocked? It was just unlocked. It wasn't even open. And this was during the daytime. This was during the daytime. This was like two p.m. Like kids getting out of school time. Interesting. Very, very interesting. I think that one thing that's very scary is that... Um, I don't know if you've ever been with somebody who's an angry driver. Oh, yeah. I think that's really, really... I think one place where I'd never want to be with an angry person is them driving. I think it's just a bad time for everybody. 
You know, I think something worse than an angry driver is a confident driver. Because I used to have a friend and they would drive us around and they drove like they were invincible. I mean, cutting people left and right, going a hundred on the highway. I was literally about to shit myself, like I was praying and I don't even believe in Jesus or God. I've definitely had those moments. Um, I don't know. What really gets me, too, is that people think that such a thing as confident drivers really exist. There's no such thing as being confident while you're driving. If you consider yourself a confident driver in terms of you being able to do what you want on the road and get away with it without any repercussion over time, you're, in my opinion, an imbecile. You should treat the road with as much respect as you could and like just go literally just go the speed limit please i hate people that like run the speed limit for no reason like on the highway they'll be yeah. pushing 100 for no reason like i understand if the traffic's going 100 or if it's like kind of like an empty road at night you want to push 100 or whatever or if, or if you're going to like uh maybe like another state you're on like a long trip or whatever and you're in the left lane you're doing your thing you're going fast whatever but if you're just you know in a plaza just getting from point a to point b there's no reason to be driving reckless your, your motor you're taking care of a vehicle that's two tons heavy and if you hit something that's alive their life will probably end or be very 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 harmed after what you did i think it's really easy to forget that too once you're in the moment and you're driving yeah i feel like especially in florida people don't give a fuck and they don't even use their turn signals like, I'll literally be driving to work because I work in Miami. And um, since the sun goes down really early now, there's so many accidents on the way to work because nobody uses their turn signals and, and the highway is packed and people want to just cut up. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to call a short here, though. I just, I just got another caller.